Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Live and direct coming from the west side of Los Angeles near the downtown area of California or the downtown area of Los Angeles. Anyways, how you guys doing out there? Hope all you ladies and gentlemen doing fine wherever you may be on this planet. Got that worldwide audience going on, so you guys are out there everywhere, everywhere, and everywhere. If you want to reach in, you can definitely come in with your questions 646 595 2892. Want to get into this groove here in reference to this show. I've got a few emails already inquiring the title as it, as it may be, The Undocumented versus The Uneducated. This came about a couple of days ago. Uh, I was talking to a couple of friends of mine on the way to Loyola Law School with some of my students uh, who were getting ready for mock trial, and they were inquiring as to the show I had just completed, um, but have never uploaded. Actually, no, it was a series I did a couple, um, about a year and a half back on immigration. Uh, immigration, uh, those are part series. And one of the topics I talked about was um, the imbalance of coverage for those who are undocumented in this country versus the amount of coverage for those who are legally here in school who are, who are children of immigrants who are struggling in school. And I was asked one of my colleagues on this bus ride to Leola, as to why that would be. And she gave various reasons, and it was actually all that stayed in my mind that I wanted to do, and that's actually we're here. That's why we're here today. So let's start this off with a couple of words from uh, Governor Christie. He was speaking on the education system is failing millions. Um, governor Christie's uh, governor of New Jersey, very polarizing individual from what I understand, but you know, he has some thoughts, so let's get right into it, people. The education system in our country, while there are successes, um, is in the main failing many, many millions of families in our country. And any one of these CEOs out here knows that the only way that American companies or international companies that work in America are going to continue to be able to thrive is to have an educated workforce. 
And that doesn't start when you get to college. And so, you know, I think it's, it is the defining issue of our time, uh, what we're going to do with the education system in America. It used to define us as the best. It's now defining us as mediocre. Is it producing results already? Are you getting better results, better school schools, better satisfaction among parents? And in certain places we are, and in other places it's too soon to tell. Uh, because, for instance, you look at, at a city like the city of Newark, our largest city, um, we pay $24,000 per pupil per year for the public education in Newark. And two years ago, the graduation rate was 23%. Now, I don't know how you define failure. I that's pretty good, you know. Uh, in Asbury Park, where I held my election night um, celebration, we pay $30,000 per pupil per year. And two years ago, less than 50% of the young people who graduated from Asbury Park High School could read at the eighth grade level. So, I, you know, I, somehow with the teachers union, this is a debate about whether that's failure or not. My opponent, who was um, endorsed by the teachers union, when, said, when it was pointed out to her that we have 200 failing schools in New Jersey, her response was, that's not a bad percentage. And, and they asked me for my response, and my response was, that sounds like someone who's never sent their children to one of those schools. Because if you send your children to one of those schools, it's an obscenity. And so, you know, that's the difference between, in my view at this point, the Republican view of what needs to be done with education in America and the Democrat slash teachers union view, which is the status quo is fine and we'll eventually get to fixing those places. If your kid's in that classroom, eventually it's not good enough. Yeah, and that's pretty much straightforward because, sadly, uh, before I get to some data here, um, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, founder and CEO of Facebook, Facebook, uh, I believe it was about a year ago, a little over a year ago, he donated $100 to the New Jersey um, school system, and all the money's gone, and there was mixed results. Nothing really changed. So sometimes people feel like, you know, you just throw money at it and that's going to, you know, solve the problem. But, again, it comes down to the individuals, the the officials, the administrators, people involved in the school system who have to figure out a way to how do we allocate these resources. I mean, we're talking about $100 million. So we have to, you know, how do you allocate these resources for maximum impact, all right? So, again, because, uh, again, you know, I got a emails already and it's it, 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 it comes this way. When you turn on Meet the Press, uh, Face the Nation, and a lot of these shows and stuff like that, and you see our Latino brothers and sisters, they never show anybody else, but it's our Latino brothers and sisters, it usually has to do with immigration. And I think that creates the same problem that we have for our black American brothers and sisters when it's Black History Month or it has to do with civil rights, or whatever, then they bring out the black folk. But we never have this conversation. I never see um, our Latino and black folk, um, for the most part, when it comes to conversations about education, the high dropout. And a lot of our Latino advocates and, and activists, and, and our fellow brothers and sisters, you know, when I'm in front of my house downtown L.A., you know, I've seen hundreds, thousands of people. I remember two, in 2007, 50,000 people were marching down Broadway to, in reference to um, the, immigrate, the fight for immigration reform and what have you. 50,000 people. Uh, I believe one of the photos on my, my station here shows the picture. 
Yet, I've never seen that kind of turnout when it comes to education. We have so many people dropping out of high school. We have so many people now looking to drop out of middle school. Where is this sense of urgency? Now, I want to give you some data here in reference to um, uh, for, uh, the education and the, the long-term effect. Because my, I'm still wondering, why is it when it comes to our, our, you know, illegal immigration or the undocumented, what have you, we're seeing uh, executive orders, we're seeing uh, news conferences, we're seeing press releases, we're seeing marches, we're seeing demonstra- demonstrations, we're seeing Representative Gutierrez over there in Illinois, I believe it's Illinois, you know, praising that Chicago now is not going to be cooperating with the federal government when it comes to detaining um, undocumented people who have committed crimes before they get released so that they can be apprehended and deported. You know, we see all that. I've never seen um, uh, Representative Gutierrez, I've never seen a lot of these activists talk about the dropout rate among our Latinos in, in, in the community, among our black Americans in the community. But, but this this particular segment here, this moment I'm speaking of is to our Latino brothers and sisters. Now, there's a cool sister named uh, uh, Shell Sequarius. I'm probably killing her last name, but I, she works over at Campaign for College. Met her when I was working with Coral back in the day, I believe, of 2004. And she that that organization, Campaign for College, has been relentlessly talking about and raising awareness regarding the inequities in education, particularly how it affects the inner city, especially how it affects Black Americans and the Latino communities, what have you. And I don't, I can't count too many people. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about the, you know, the uh, the Sal Castro's from walkout fame, who, rest in peace, brother, who was putting on the line and other students and other teachers who I know who are putting on the line. I'm talking about a national conversation where we'll focus on we have to make sure the rights of the educate, of the undocumented are protected or enforced or are given the ACLUs out there and, you know, suing left and right in reference to uh, the violation of the rights of the undocumented. But what about, what about the violation of the right to be educated, right? What about the rights of those who are already in the system who are dropping out at uh, outrageous? Granted, the numbers for black Americans and the black numbers for our Latino brothers and sisters um, in, edu- uh, in high school going up and graduating, but it's still too high. Let me give you a number, some numbers here. Uh, this one comes from um, uh, uh, the PPIC project where they talked about the percentage of the workforce in reference to supply and demand comes to high diploma, no diploma, and bachelor's degree. Now, if you there's no high school diploma, the projected demand will say is at 35. The projected supply is at 40. So right there, we already have an excess of supply to meet the demand for jobs that don't require a no, a no high school diploma. In fact, it's almost a surplus. Now we get to a job that require high school diploma. Uh, the gap's a little narrow because now the projected demand for those for high school diploma will say is around 25%. The uh, number of 25 going from zero to 50, but the projected supply is at approximately 27 percent. So already we're coming to almost equilibrium here. If you have there's a the supply of high school diploma people with high school diplomas is a little higher than the demand for those jobs that require high school diploma. Now let's take it to graduating college. The projected demand for those with bachelor's degrees or more is 40. We'll say 4 percent, or we'll say rank rank 40 out of 50. The projected supply of people with bachelor's degrees or more comes in at 35%. So as you see, if, you, if, 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 if for the jobs that don't require high school diploma, there's a surplus of individuals that don't. 
for the jobs that do require a high school diploma, it's almost equilibrium. But when it comes to the jobs that require a bachelor's degree, the supply is not going to meet the demand whatsoever. Now, let's come over here to the graduation graduation rates by years after Holman when it comes to uh, white, black, and Hispanic or Latino. This comes from uh, Lindsay Cook for uh, U.S. News and World Reports, um, source NCES. Now, it talks about from U.S. News that after four years, um, when it comes to graduation rates by year after enrollment, what have you, uh, whites or Anglos come in at about 35%. Black Americans come in at about 15 16%. And our Latino brothers and sisters come in at about 23%. That's the amount of people that graduate after four, that, that are in college after four years. That's the percentage, okay? The high bar would be 70%. After five years of being in college, the number increased for uh, Anglo-Americans, white Americans, to approximately 60%. Black Americans, the number climbs to about 27%, and Latino brothers and sisters climbs to about 35%. Now, this is the graduate rates and rates after years of enrollment in college, all right? Now, six years in college um, of, of higher education, college, university, the Anglo rate climbs to about 65%. The black American rate climbs a little bit, but only to about 30%. And the Latino rate, a graduate rate after years enrollment, six years enrollment climbs to 47%. Now, as you see, more, it, it, more people are spending more time in college. Now, they're not only competing against people who are returning to college, they're competing against people who are already there and are not getting the classes that they need to graduate on time. Those who graduate, who get to college and are already two years behind, have to do two years of remedial to get up to the, the freshman level to graduate. Now, again, why is this information raising the alarm as it does when it comes to, you know, to um, on the undocumented situation or illegal immigration uh, reform or what have you, whatever you make want to call it? It doesn't get the press. And I've a lot of, you know, news shows, it doesn't get the press, you know, that it's pressing, but it doesn't get the acknowledgement that it should have. Now, you know, over here to the Pew Research Center, uh, this is October 2nd, 2014. The headline reads, U.S. high school dropout rate reaches record low, driven by improvements among Latino and blacks. All right. It says more U.S. high school students are staying in school, according to a new release data from the Census Bureau, as the net dropout rate reached a record low last year. Just 7% of the nation's 18 to 24-year-olds had dropped out of high school. Continue a steady decline in the nation's dropout rate since 2000, when 12% of youth were dropouts. Now, again, this is talking about, for example, Hispanic black uh, high school dropout rates reached record lows. Uh, back in 93, the Hispanic rate was at 33%. Black folk was at 60%. Uh, Non-Hispanic white Anglos at 9%. Asians, well, the records, they weren't keeping track of them until 99. Now, if you come by as of 2013, the percentage of the Latino community that drops out of school, 14%. Black folks, 8%. Anglos, 5%. Asians, 4%. Now, a little too high, but again, some progress being made, but it seems like the, the spot is made is being put on the, the immigration reform movement and not the education reform movement. Let me give it another clip here uh, when it comes to a wake-up call for U.S. education. 
of 1.3 billion people competing for the American dream. Today, the new international reading, math, and science scores were released, and Chinese students left American teens in the dust in all three categories. We kept thinking all day of this scene we saw from our journey in China. These are third grade students pausing to massage their heads for relief because they said they study so hard and they need to relax in the third grade. David Muir and I were talking about it. We traveled to China together. David. And Diane, these numbers are stunning for the entire world. The Shanghai Stunner, you could call it. In fact, our own education secretary called the results, the words that Diane used, a wake-up call. Our president is calling for a modern-day Sputnik moment to catch up. Tonight's new numbers reveal what Diane and I just witnessed a couple of weeks back in China. Nearly 500,000 15-year-olds from all over the world took the test. The top five scores in math, Shanghai, China, Singapore, Hong Kong, South Korea, and Taiwan. And way down the list in 30th, the U.S. In science, again, Shanghai, China at the top. Then Finland, Hong Kong, Singapore, and Japan. And down at 20th, the U.S. And in reading, Shanghai, China again, and the others. And down at 17th, the U.S. In our travels to China, it was everywhere, that laser focus on education. This public school in Shanghai, where the children were two years old. By three, they're at school from eight until four, already learning phrases in English. And the older kids wondered from Diane if the reverse was true back here in the U.S. Can you speak Chinese? No, I can say ni hao. On average, Chinese students attend 41 more days of school every year. And with some attending classes on the weekends, it amounts to 30% more hours of instruction every year, too. China, and now much of Asia, firmly sees a future beyond those factories. Nobody wants to be the shoe manufacturer of the world. Everybody wants to be in the scientific and technical sector. It's a global turning point the U.S. has faced before. 1960, then-candidate John F. Kennedy frustrated that the Soviets at that moment seemed to be winning the space race. The first vehicle in space was called Sputnik, not Vanguard. Money was poured into math and science. Less than a decade later, we put a man on the moon. With these test scores, now a new call from this president. Fifty years later, our generation's Sputnik moment is back. And it's not just Asia. Finland, too. Diane discovered that firsthand last year, learning that every elementary school teacher there must have a master's. Half of American teachers do. And by the seventh grade, every Finnish child will have learned three languages. They start physics and chemistry in middle school. Physics and chemistry in middle school. And one other number we were stunned to learn about today comes from a new Stanford study that found if American students were able to raise their performance on this international test by just about 5%, it would translate into $41 trillion in the U.S. economy over just the next 20 years, Diane. Just a 5% increase in how we do. We did it before. We can do it again. It won't be anytime soon the way things are going. But again, the, you know, before people start saying, well, you know, all they care about is testing and scores in China and Finland is just a bunch of Norwegian folks in one little country, what have you. Let's clarify some stuff. One, I taught a group of Chinese students this past summer in Pomona. And yes, there's a, you know, there's a few in there who are kind of like psychotic, like we have students here. They're, they're still kids as we have all over the world. Someone to play around. But let me tell you, there was a, when we had, uh, me and my other colleague had them in one class. It was almost night and day. It was almost like two different classrooms. One side was so focused. It was it was easy. And these kids were middle were just came out of middle school. 
for the most part, and we're going off to high school, I was teaching English and world history. Now, some of our, a lot of our kids from here weren't taking it serious. You had a few that came in pajamas. You had a few that wanted to talk back and be argumentative. Now, there was a few that were doing very well, Yubia and this one group of, of, of kids in her class, for the most part, who were holding it down. But overall, it was pretty apparent that there was a folk, the, the respect for education a lot higher abroad in places like China than it is here. Now, again, the crisis is, is the, the, the needs of the undocumented are getting more attention, it seems, than the needs of those who are being uneducated. Because if you, have, if you notice the fight when it comes to immigration reform between high-tech and low-tech, if you increase the amount of people who are working in low-tech industry and you have a group of people who don't have education skills to work at the high-tech level and can only work low, can work in low-tech fields, then you're creating almost a permanent underclass and a competition for fewer jobs as more jobs go up. I can go deeper into that. Of course, people say, well, your numbers are wrong, whatever. But what else? What, let me read something here from an article from U.S. Uh, from yes, 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 U.S. Department of Education. It talked about U.S. high school graduation rate hits new record high. But there's a line in here that kind of stood out. It said today's economy calls for the critical skills that go beyond the basics to ensure the economic strength of our country. Students must graduate high school ready for college, careers, and life. All right. Now that part right there is what stands out. Today's economy calls for critical skills that go beyond the basics. Then to ensure the economic strength of our students must graduate high school ready for college, careers, and life. A lot of kids are not graduating ready for high school because I've spoken to some of my kids who graduated um, lately who have told me that they, have not, they were not prepared for college. They're not prepared for the rigor. They're not prepared for the standards that are put on, upon them. They're not, they're not familiar with the writing standards that they have to follow. They're not familiar with the hit of the classroom. They're not familiar with pretty much nothing about college outside of I don't have to go to class unless I don't want to. Now, again, why is education, particularly among the black and Latino communities, not getting the attention as immigration reform is among the communities? And we have to be careful and we have to remember to say immigration just isn't a penal scenario because it's there's you know document from a whole bunch of places around the world in the United States. So we have to be careful not to say, oh, immigration, Latinos, crime, black people. We have to be careful of that. So I want to make sure I, just, I, I articulate that to all my listeners out there. And thanks for tuning in. Cause I can see you guys, you know, logging in. We're not specifically talking about the undocumented in terms of Latinos. We're talking about the undocumented overall versus those who are legally here who are not being educated. It's creating a competition for less – it's more people fighting for less jobs, and that creates a situation where that could actually have wages being driven down because there's more of a, of a, there's more of a supply than there is demand. Take a little break here, and we'll continue on in a few minutes. Thank you. 
yeah. I'm talking about a little break for love there. Let's get on to an email to me that had a shit in reference to Finland. It's asking me, this is Michael from Miami asking, well, Finland is pretty much one homogenous nation, so they should be expected to do well versus the United States. And thank you, Michael, for writing. I appreciate it. I miss Miami. I used to live down there in uh, Hollywood, Florida, down near Broward County, with a good friend today, before his married days. Um, you know, that argument comes up often from, well, not argument, but that that point is actually raised quite often in reference to Finland being, you know, pretty much a homoge- you know, homogeneous country where they don't have the diversity of the culture of the people they do in the United States. Yet, conversely, when they compared Finland's number to the countries that surrounded Norway um, and the other countries in those regions, what have you, that have this pretty much, you know, a homogeneous, homogeneous population as well, their record, it's, it still tops. Because those countries' education records are so bad, it, it, it spotlights Finland a lot more in terms of what they've accomplished. So though people will say, well, you know, it's a bunch of Anglos over there, or Europeans that don't have that diet for the United States. Well, when you compare Finland to other countries in that region, it doesn't make a difference because they still are at the tops. Now, maybe it's because education is respected over there versus over here, because over there you have to have three. In the United States, you have to have a bachelor's and, and, you know, get your credentials and pretty much where the entry requirements are. Now, again, when I turn on the news and I turn on the media and I turn on things like that, it's always undocumented, undocumented, undocumented. But the problem I'm seeing, I'll, make a, I'll give you up close and personal, in the classroom. I have many kids. I have some who are bringing the mission who are ready to do well, ready to go off the college and do the best they can, and they're going to take advantage of every opportunity to do so. Yet, conversely, there's many kids I've seen, not just you know in, in, in my classroom, but also in other classrooms, other schools, because you know teachers talk, all right, who just don't value education. Now, when we talk about immigration reform in the class, you can see the passions there. But I, I ask the kid, are you looking at the benefits, or are you looking at, at are you looking from a personal point of view? Oftentimes, it's from a personal point of view. So when I explain to them the disparity between the immigration spotlight versus the uneducated spotlight, this, it seems to crystallize that there's a problem that's being created for them that, yes, you may get legally. But when you graduate, where exactly will you go up for higher education and what job can you get? Because right now, you're in, you're in the 12th grade, but you read at an 8th grade level. Right now, you're in 11th grade, but you read at a grade level. So where, what kind of job do you play? On, on, on a tank of money when you graduate. But it's frustrating when you see it before your eyes, the apathy from so many students who just don't put a valuation on education. And when you have a school system that's built to build, you know, bail them out, you know, social promotion, making sure that, um, you know, pressure on the teacher not to fail too many kids. There's a fear of kids with IEPs. You can't fail them, even though you give them all the resources. When you're creating a culture of apathy, and narcissism among the, the, this generation of students coming up, which are a little bit in the earlier generation, then this is the generation when they graduate, and not, they're going to be competing for the same job that an undocumented alien is going to have because they have a deferred action order or they have a work permit or social security number. So where where is the attention being? Where is the attention? That education needs because we have almost an entire, we have pretty much a permanent underclass being treated because they're not being educated to the level where they can get these jobs that can lift them higher in their own lives. We're not saying, I'm not saying that none of our kids can bring the mission. I'm not saying none of our kids can, can accomplish. What I'm saying is that when I turn on the media, 
Meet the Face the Nation, NBC, CBS, ABC, what have you, it's always undocumented reform, undocumented reform, undocumented reform, illegal uh, immigration reform, immigration reform, immigration reform. We have to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm there, I'm there writing down per show, no comment about the, about the state of education stance today. None. None whatsoever. Now, let me read this other statistic for you before we continue, as we continue on in the remaining moments of our show, if I can find that form. Here it is, uh, and this is more information coming. Um, it's coming from DoSomething.org. dot um, It's the America's largest organization for youth volunteering opportunities. Uh, the topic again is uh, uh, this one is eleven facts about high school dropout rates. Okay, it says here every year over one point two million students drop out of high school in the U.S. United States alone. That's a student every twenty six seconds, or seven thousand a day. Number two, about 25% of high school freshmen failed to graduate from high school time. Number three, the U.S., which had some of the highest graduation rates of any developed country, now ranks 22nd out of 27 developed countries. Number four, the dropout rate has fallen 3% from 1990 to 2010, that 12.1% in 1990 to 7.4% uh, in 2010. So right now it stands around 8%. That's eight percent of three million of the highest population. You talk about almost ten percent. That's that's not that's not good. The percentage of graduating Latino students significantly increased in 2010 when this was released. 71.4 percent received a diploma versus 61.4 percent in 2006. Okay, again in 2010, 71.4 percent received a diploma versus 61.4 percent in 2006. However. Asian American and white students are still far more likely to graduate than Latino and Black Amer- and African American students. Number six, a high school dropout will earn two hundred thousand dollars less than a high school graduate over his lifetime, and almost a million dollars less than a college graduate. I read that to you again. Number six, a high school dropout will earn two hundred thousand dollars less than a high school graduate over his lifetime, and almost a million dollars less than a college graduate. In 2010, 38 states had higher graduation rates. Vermont had the highest with 91.4 graduating, and Nevada had the lowest with 57.8 of students graduating. Number eight, almost 1,000 high school students across the U.S. graduate less than 60% of their students. All right? Again, I'm sorry, clarify that. Number eight, almost 2,000 high schools across the United States graduate less than 60% percent of their students. Number nine, these drop-off factories account for over 50 percent of the students who leave school year. Again, these drop-off factories account for over 50 percent of the students who leave school every year. Number 10, one in six students attend a drop-off factory. One in three minority students, 32 percent attend a drop-off factory compared to 8 percent high students. Number 11, in the U.S., high school dropouts commit about 75% of crimes. Again, in the U.S., high school dropouts commit about 75% of crimes. We have to change this. But yet, there's no mark going in front of my window for the the, the, the stress of an unequal education that I see when the marches go over from my window for immigration reform. There's no marches. And I don't understand why people are ignoring the, 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 the pretty much an, an oblivion of hope 
when a lot of our kids are graduating without the skills necessary to compete against kids of the same age group coming here from other countries. It is now to the point where there are many people, particularly in China. China years ago had nothing. A lot of kids came and studied here, and a lot of them went back to to help uplift the country to the point where they have the largest economy now. They own a great share of the American of U.S. bonds, treasury bills, and what have you. But yet, our kids here, not saying all of them, because you have that great school in Chicago, graduate percent, and all of them are going to college. I don't want to say that none of our schools are not doing a great job, because there are. But overwhelmingly, the numbers do not look good for our kids who are graduating from high school, dropping out of high school. So you have kids who are graduating out of, out of high school, not prepared to go to college. You have kids dropping out of high school who won't be going to college anytime soon because the longer one is out of school, out of high school has dropped out, the less the odds are they'll actually continue on with higher education. But yet there's no spotlight for kids who are struggling in school, who don't value school, administrators who just who are worried about test scores, principals who don't like conflict, and you know school systems that just want to turn out more kids and keep the bad teachers in there and students in there. And now the battle is of common core that eight states have sued to get out of. What is that supposed to do? Okay? If everybody says we're supposed to adapt common core, but why? Because if you have a great teacher in the classroom, they don't need Common Core or some new initiative coming from some person that has been in the classroom. They know what to do in their class. Now, I want to give you one last segment here. It talks about um, how the U.S. education is failing our kids. About six minutes here. It's a little bit long, but I don't want to go too long, but I'll probably cut off at some point here. Uh, here. Education Secretary Arnie Duncan raised eyebrows Friday by saying that Hurricane Katrina was, quote, the best thing that happened to the education system in New Orleans because it forced people to improve their schools. Educators everywhere want to turn schools around these days without resorting to acts of nature, though. And Russ Mitchell lays out the challenge as CBS reports where America stands. Despite decades of reform attempts and billions of dollars of investment, the American education system badly needs improvement. It's not where it needs to be. There's too many places that aren't doing well. The report card shows only 34% of 8th graders are proficient in math, 29% in science, 33% in reading. Compared to other countries, American students score near the bottom, 21st out of 30 in science, and it's even more bleak in math. They're 25th. One sausage. Those in the trenches, like Washington, D.C. school chancellor Michelle Rhee, say the reason is not the kids, it's the system. In society, there is not a particularly high regard for education. The problem, educators say, our most talented minds head into medicine, law, and technology. A teaching career is often an afterthought, given the salary. The average elementary school teacher earns $50,000 a year. Physicians average 100,000 more than that. Another problem is what kids are learning. Unlike most other countries that have national standards of what to teach, in the U.S., it's a state-by-state -state decision. These districts often face enormous management challenges. Andy Rotherham co-founded Education Sector, an education think tank. He says in many states, the standards are low. We had a public school system that served us very well for the 20th century when America had an industrial economy, basically an economy predicated on building things and moving them around. The economy's changed. And then there's the politics of education. 
tenure, and unions sometimes protect even bad teachers. And with limited funds, there's always a budget battle. For example, more money for a successful charter school means less for public schools. Too often people think, well, everybody in education is just all about the kids. But it's an industry like any other where you have a variety. Yeah, it's really an industry, just like every other industry overall. And, again, people want to say it's about the money. My question is, what about the attention? The money's nice. Again, you know, Zuckerberg kicked in $100 million to Jersey. How'd that work out? Still no results to show for it. But our kids are suffering, and they're being led to slaughter when they graduate, and they're not unprepared for higher education. Again, not all of our kids. As you see, the numbers of graduates from black and Latinos is increasing. Uh, we, we can't ignore the poor Anglos, the poor whites who are struggling as well. I mean, we just don't want to make this a, uh, a black Latino issue. But again, it's just it's pretty frustrating to me or somewhat annoying that everywhere I turn when I turn the newspaper, again, 50,000 people marched down Broadway Street right in front of my window for immigration reform Yet, conversely, not five people have ever marched in front of my window in reference to the disparities in education. Because I'm telling you, there was a study that came out a little while ago, I don't at this moment, but the article said the wealthiest group in the United States is going to be the Asian Americans. And that group isn't that big. Yet, you know, again, when I had taught my kids the past year in, in Pomona, my visiting students from China and what, and what have you, they were not playing. They spent money to come here. I mean, I think someone spent like about forty, fifty thousand dollars to come here. But where's the value? Why is our valuation on the undocumented in terms of their needs? And but yet the kid, our kids, are being neglected in school. And now, you know, when you have the huge influx of undocumented children coming to the school system, based on a, uh, a precedent where they have the right to education as well. Now the resources were not, which are not being increased, the amount of teachers who are not being increased at this moment, all right? and you heard that our clip there, they're saying that many people are even looking at the teaching industry. I mean, it has the highest turnover among any occupation, probably because so many of us teachers don't feel appreciated, and our ideas are neglected, and we have principals and ad, you know, people, admins you know, with the unions and those people who feel that they know what's best for the classroom and try, and, and oftentimes will you know, not put any pressure on the child to succeed, but they'll put pressure on the teacher if the child doesn't succeed. So we have those situations going. Our kids are struggling out there, and yet we're worried about test scores, we're about the cases, we're about how they do well on those things, so they graduate and the school's numbers looks good, but yet our kid doesn't know what the word dwelling means in the 11th grade. Our kid in the 11th grade doesn't know what the word yacht means in the 11th grade. I mean, when teachers are seen as up close and personal, it becomes very demoralizing for a teacher because they're they're realizing that you know they're being asked to pass kids who should not be passed, and they're being asked to help kids get you know graduate who shouldn't graduate. You know, my attitude's always been like we do back in the old country. If a kid fails PE in ninth grade, he does the whole ninth grade over again. But the system is set up right now where kids can make up a class within three years, and if they don't make it up within three years, they just check out and go somewhere else. People. We, there's a permanent underclass of, 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 of kids graduating who will struggle to get to that next, letter, next peg on the social ladder. Yet the only thing, there's no executive order. I know President Obama was thinking about subsidizing community college, but the community college is so packed with people, you know, these, you know, adults who are coming back to get new degrees, 
These are these are people who already have jobs who can pay for their own t- tuition. You have you know community college used to be two years back in the day. Now you have people doing five six years in college. So the idea is nice, the initiative is nice, but he's not signing any executive orders you know for students that it's mandatory that either they pass ninth grade or they repeat it regardless of, you know regardless of what the principal of the school says. So let me leave it. Let me wrap it up there. With you guys, I want to say thank you um, to about. I see a hundred of you guys are logged in. I see your emails there. Um, we'll definitely follow this up a little uh, down the road um, for more um, talks on the immigration side. I had some old shows. Uh, I think it was like last year or a year and a half ago where I did a three-part series on immigration. Check that out. Give me your thoughts on there if you'd like to do a show. Um, if you like me to do another show on immigration, we can do that. But right now, my main concern at this for this show was the 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 spotlight not being put on education as it is on immigration reform. Uh, if you want to be a guest on my show, reach out, send me an email. You have my call-in number again: six four six five nine five two eight nine two. You teachers out there, immigration advocates out there, you know you're definitely more than welcome. Let's have a roundtable about this situation as to you know what is important, what is not as important. They're both important, but to what level and to what degree? Because right now, from what I'm seeing, our kids who are graduating out there, they're competing with the undocumented who have work permits for jobs. And you know, the competition for, for less jobs, the lower the wages get. And how are we going to increase, how are we going to, how our kids are going to move, how's that next generation going to move up the ladder of social progress when the only thing people to be concerned right now is, you know, social promotion. Things got to change. We have to change. We have to make things better for the next generation. Otherwise, you know, I've seen the future in the classroom. It's not good. Our brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters who are immigrant, uh, immigration activists, you have to, you know, start speaking more for those who are here legally because they can also help by, they can also help the movement by getting better educated, having access to better jobs, more wealth, more uh, economic benefits, um, improving in home ownership and those kind of things. They could also help to fight for immigration reform, but they can't do it if they're fighting for the same jobs that are paying like eight dollars an hour. How are you going to pay your tuition in a state where the youth right now accepting incoming freshmen because they have a budget crunch? People, Saikakese, thanks for tuning. Dabenga, thanks for tuning in. Hope you're doing well. I'll reach out to you guys next week when we talk about the state of Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood. So, you guys, do what you have to do. Have a great uh, week wherever you may be. Hope everything's going well. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. Let's take it back out with a little love here.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details.